You are listening to the Science and Soul of Living Well, where we highlight evidence-based tools from psychological science and complementary and alternative medicine to help us all cultivate resilience and live with more meaning, purpose, and alignment with personal values, even in the most stressful and darkest of times. I'm Melissa Mingfoynes, your host, and I am also a clinical psychologist and educator, trauma-informed mindfulness meditation and yoga teacher, and Ayurvedic doula. Welcome, everyone. Thank you so much for joining me for this week's podcast. Before I introduce today's very special guest, I want to remind you about the free four-part video series, The Science and Soul of Building Resilience, as well as the new one-on-one holistic coaching program. And information about both of those resources is available in the episode notes. I am so excited to introduce you all to Chris, our guest for today. She is the founder of Your Freelance Friend, and she resides in the Black Hills of South Dakota with her family. She's also a military spouse and among her many hobbies, enjoys thrifting, eating scones at the local bakery, and prides herself in being an aerialist in the circus, which I find super fascinating and impressive. And she has many, many other talents, which we will likely highlight throughout the episode today, but also is a very kind-hearted spirit. And so I'm really delighted to have her today. So Chris, thank you so much for joining us. Oh, I'm so, so, so excited to be here. Thanks for having me. You're so welcome. So Chris, I have a lot of questions I want to ask you, but before we launch in, is there anything you want to just share about yourself or your background that you feel might be helpful as a way for people to get to know you a little bit better? Oh my goodness. This is such a funny question to me because when someone says like, tell me more about you, I'm like, oh my gosh, where do I even start? Like, I feel like I should start when I was five. I don't know. (laughs) Like, I feel like I have pivoted and changed and evolved so many times in my life that I feel like I need to talk about all, all aspects of her, of me. And so, oh my gosh, thinking about me, I am a multi-potentialite. I know I throw that word around a lot, but I feel like it really is something that I have just embodied. Like I have always been very interested in so many different things. And I truly live my life like that. Like if I'm interested, I try it, I explore that. And so I think that, um, we're just going to dive right in, but I know that we're going to talk about religion. And so I think that a little bit of me when I was growing up in such a strict, uh, organized religion that I felt like I couldn't explore. Like I felt Mm. like I was just told, don't even question. This is the, the true religion. This is what is right. And you don't get to, you know, ask because that's always the devil that's tempting you to wonder, to explore. And so I think once I came to the realization that it wasn't in fact, the devil, it was just my heart. And like a part of me that was very interested in in the world and different things that I was able to make peace with 
with all the things that I was interested in, if that makes sense. So I think that now as an adult, I, I get to like choose what each thing means to me. And kind of like what we were talking about a little bit ago is I get to actually like take away the labels that were just put on me or that I was told, uh, you know, you are this. I actually was listening to an Alan Watts. Do you ever listen to him? I haven't actually. Oh my gosh. His voice is just like, so almost like puts me in like, it just like hypnotizes me, but he was giving this talk. I just pull him up on YouTube, but he was basically saying that, that like all growing up, we're given these labels. Like you are responsible. You are good. Like all these things. And he said, are you like, are Mm. you responsible? Do you resonate with that? And so I've been trying to really like unpack that. Like, am I responsible? I mean, sometimes, (laughs) but Mm -hmm. am I like, what labels do I want to have? Or do I even want labels? I know that that's kind of, I've, I answered that huge question and like, tell me a little bit about yourself. And now we're talking for 10 minutes about it, but I really feel like there's just so much to unpack here. And as far as me, uh, like the true deep Chris is that I, I finally feel like I am free and free to explore, Mm -hmm. free to learn, free to just like really find out who I am instead of living under like an umbrella of a good girl or a religious girl, if that makes Mm -hmm. sense. Absolutely. And I love how you answered this question. And there are so many different threads that I would love to highlight or pick up on, which in, and one is this idea that there can be so much freedom in liberating ourselves from these boxes and being open to exploring and getting curious because we are continuously evolving and our life circumstances change and our relationships change and our interests change. And so sometimes we can fall into almost a habitual way of defining ourselves Mm -hmm. and lose sight of the importance of allowing that to be an ever-changing evolution. And so I love how you highlighted that piece too, that it's not something that we ever stop doing. It's something, discovering who we are, figuring out who we truly are, breaking free from some of these messages that we've been told, the boxes we've been put in. That can be a lifelong journey because we're continually being met with those messages, even as adults. Of course, we're more vulnerable to them when when we're children. But I, I do think we continually are being met with them as, as we grow. So, and I also really appreciate what you said about realizing that there was choice because something that I really believe in, in working with the people with whom I work and just living my own life is trying to find a way to live life on our terms and our values and our beliefs. And sometimes it can be really challenging to differentiate what is truly ours, what truly comes from that inner wise centered knowing place and what has been constructed by 
society, or even like you said, it could be positive, right? Quote unquote positive. Oh, you're so responsible or you're so beautiful or something. But if that doesn't resonate or if it highlights a part of us that isn't necessarily the part of us that we want highlighted, I I think there can be a lot of misattunement in terms of the people that we encounter and the messages that we get from what is praised, what is valued, because there may be things that are important to me that society by and large doesn't think is important. And so that can generate a source of conflict, but to feel like I can hold that value, I can live out that value, even if it's not a popular one, I think is really important. So I just met your response with a similarly (laughs) detailed (laughs) response, but would love to hear you talk a little bit more about the process that you went through to get to this place of realizing, oh, wait, I, I have a choice. And perhaps some of these religious beliefs aren't ones that 100% resonate with me because I think, as, as you and I have talked about before, there are so many different ways in which this process of discernment can play out. It can be related to values. It can be related to personality. It can be related to religion, sexual orientation, different forms of identity, just so many different ways. So I don't know if you you want to share a bit more about your religious background or when you started to feel like it didn't resonate, but totally up to you, defer to you to share Mm. what feels most important about that aspect of your journey. Yeah. So I think I always knew growing up, like I always felt like, huh? Like nothing really ever felt completely solid or completely resonated with Mm -hmm. me, but I didn't really have anybody to turn to. Like, who was I going to turn to? My mom, who is very still devout. So I felt like I had these questions, but I didn't really know who I could talk to about it. And I mean, when you're told constantly that if you have those thoughts, that it really is just like the devil trying to tempt you. Mm -hmm. I think that then you almost fight against even questioning because you're like, Oh my gosh, is it just the devil? I don't know. Mm -hmm. And so I think up until, I mean, all growing up, I felt this way, but I just didn't really ever talk about it. I almost internalized and started to feel shame and guilt for even questioning. Mm -hmm. So then I was just like, Oh my gosh, like I'm not a good girl because I'm questioning whether or not this religion is the right fit for me. But I, my parents got divorced when I was 14. And then I think my mom just, which, and now that I'm a mom, I can totally like understand where she was coming from as a single parent, trying to like raise two young kids and also be the sole provider Um, she just lost a partner. Like I can only imagine like all of the trauma and the sadness that she was experiencing, but uh, we also got the brunt of it in the sense of like, you know, rules were way more enforced and no matter what I did, it was like the same level of like getting in trouble. So whether or not I just got home five minutes late or whether or not I was out for five hours and never called her, like it was the same the same anger that was met. And so I very quickly developed this like resentment and anger that I just could not wait to get out of the house. And yeah, I would say a little bit of me wanted to be like rebellious 
and just kind of do anything that she did want me to do. But I was kind of forced into a new type of belief system. When I went to college, I uh, experienced alcohol for the first time. And out of that, I um, was sexually assaulted. And so I think from there, I just automatically had a different view of the world. Um, I was actually talking to another woman who wrote a book about sexual survivors and, and sexual abuse. And she described it. I had never heard it described this way, but she said like, she now saw the world in indigo. So like, it wasn't necessarily that I saw the world now bad or maybe different, but I just saw a different color now, like moving forward. Cause I had gone from being so protected and so, I don't even know the word for it, just like sheltered that now this, the whole world looked so different to me. And I think it was the very start, like a seed of me starting to question more because the ripple effect of that is within the religion that I grew up in, when anything happened that was, you know, sexual or breaking the word of wisdom, like drinking alcohol, then you went and you confessed to the bishop, which is ultimately like a pastor or priest. And I remember my mom, because of, I, I was like, ah, what do I do? I, I had just been like, I was in shock. Um, and I told my mother a couple months later and, um, of course, her natural reaction was you need to go and tell the bishop. Mm -hmm. And in my heart, I felt, why do I need to like confess mm. something that had happened to me? Um, it was a very like disconnection that I, I then again, like internalized the shame and guilt. Well, Chris, like you're the one who broke the word of wisdom, which ultimately led you to like this experience. So mm. like bummer, you know, you're the one who, who caused it. So through this whole thing, I'll try and make it a quick story is that there's a church court, which then they decide if you're like worthy to continue or like, kind of, they'd like decide what path is good for you, what path God has decided for you. So I'm in a room with a panel of, of men so probably, I can't remember how many, five to seven, me, an 18-year-old girl who had just gone through this very traumatic event. And then I have to tell them in detail, detail of what I can remember, what happened. And then they were all going to pray and tell me like the answer that they got from God. So God told them that I needed to be disfellowshipped, which doesn't necessarily mean that you're kicked out of the religion. It just means that you are like withheld certain responsibilities and certain tasks. So like I was no longer allowed to pray in church. I couldn't hold a calling. I couldn't take like communion or sacrament, um, just things like that. And I think that that again, like that experience was something that I was like, huh? Like really God doesn't like me that much or like wants to punish me for something like it was, I think it was just all these thoughts started to come in and I started to question, like, 
if that is the God that I'm worshiping, like, I don't want to worship that God. Like to me, I feel like I should be able to go to God and he should completely understand what I'm going through um, and not ban me. So I think that all of those experiences just kind of started to put thoughts into my head and I was married. I got married and we actually got married in the church's temple. And, um, so I, I tried, I was still trying to live this life that I was told was the only way to happiness. Like if you don't get married in the temple, if you don't marry somebody else who was raised like you, like you just won't be very happy and like shitty things will happen to you. And, um, so tried that for a little bit. And I mean, I was quote unquote, doing all of the things that I was supposed to be doing. I was reading the Bible. I was going to church. I was actively participating in church activities. I was like really immersing myself and I still did not feel like super fulfilled and happy. And I was still questioning. And so I think then again, I was like, is there a choice? Is there a better way? Is there something else that I could explore? And so I think long answer again, is that all of those experiences over the culmination of, you know, five to seven years, I think finally I started to let myself. And even if it was, I think I was willing to accept okay, even if it is Satan putting these thoughts into my head, like I need to try something different. And so that marriage ended and I truly started. That's kind of when I truly was like, okay, I'm going to just not go to church for a while and just start to like explore and really start to look inwards of, or for, like what felt good to me, what felt right to me, instead of just listening to what my family had said, what the church was saying, what his family was saying, what he was saying. It was, I think that I was just allowing for so long. I mean, two and a half decades of just everybody else's thoughts and ideas of what was right. And it was so scary. It was so scary. It still is. I mean, I'm 31 and it still is sometimes scary to like look inward and, and think, is this my thought or is this just a belief that somebody else has put in my head? Or is this just something I've heard for so long? Like it's, it's very, it's, it's hard. It's scary, but I mean, Mm -hmm. I don't feel trapped anymore. So even though it's like a scary thing to do, it feels way easier than being trapped and feeling like this disconnect from who I was. So I'd rather be connected to who I am and feel free and be scared than to be trapped and have a disconnect and be scared. I love how you phrased that because I think fear can be present either way. And so do I want fear to be present by my side when I'm trapped and fitting into something that doesn't resonate versus exploring and figuring this out? Like if fear is going to be present either way, which 
path do I prefer? Which path do I feel more proud of when I look back upon my life? And I, there are so many aspects of your experiences, Chris, that I'm, I'm just really struck by. And something that stood out to me as you were talking was that you were able to connect to your own, I don't know what word resonates with you, whether it's intuition or inner wisdom or inner voice, but throughout all of these experiences where you were blamed and shamed and not necessarily validated for your experiences, you were able to connect to that part of you that felt like something was off, that something wasn't quite right. And I know that that's something that for many of us, we need to cultivate because as you said, we can get the message that questioning is bad or Mm -hmm. means something like the devil showing up. And so we need to suppress it. Like there's a lot of different ways that that kind of questioning can be pathologized. And so when we do find ourselves questioning, sometimes we don't treat it as inner wisdom. We treat it as something to push away. Yeah. So I don't, I would love if you have any thoughts to share about how, how it was that you were able to access that and listen to that, even though you were getting so many messages to the contrary, or if you have pearls of wisdom to share for people who are having a hard time accessing that, because as you said, I think it's complicated and it's also pretty scary at times or can be. Yeah. And you know, I think it's hard to remember. I'm like, cause this happened, you know, 12 years ago, as far as like this exact experience of being 18 years old and disfellowship from the church. I don't know. And I can't remember if I truly knew then that I was feeling shame or guilt. Like, I think Mm. that I was just stunned. Like Mm. ultimately I was just very stunned. And I think that it just opened my eyes again to like, is this how like everybody, does everybody have this experience? Does everybody go through something, confess, and then God gives them some sort of consequence? Like it, I think it just gave me so many things to think about, which I mean, I'm not going to lie. I definitely didn't want to face the things that I had gone through. I didn't want to, I wanted to get rid of the shame and the guilt. And for a while I did with alcohol, like very much. So I didn't want to, I didn't know how to make the hurt go away. And I think that I realized that there was hurt. I just didn't know my whole life. I had, I was taught that God would take away your sins. Like he had, you know, Jesus had died for your sins on the cross. And if you just repented to him, he would take that pain away, but it wasn't going away. Like there was no, like, okay, I was praying every morning and every night and that pain was still there. And now that I'm 31 and other things have emerged or, you know, entering my second marriage. And that's like a whole other level of, of a relationship that you guys have both lived such different life experiences. And now you're bringing the two together and trying to like form this union and bond. And at least for me, I'm like, holy shit. I just went basically my whole life before you 
being told this, 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 and this is what's right. And now I'm trying to unpack it. So like, you're here for that. Um, and so there's been hard questions that have come up like, okay, I was told this, but do I really feel that way? And like, when he married me, I did, I thought that that's how I felt. And so it's very, I know your question was like, how was I able to, you know, be in tune with my intuition or my gut? And I think it's always been there. Like, I think I've always felt it at least at some level. And I think that I, at, in some way, probably enjoy the questioning and the being uncomfortable and the me bringing something up so that I can solve it. Like, I don't know if that makes Mm -hmm. sense, but even like within my marriage, like if I have some sort of question or thought or like my gut or intuition is, is saying something's going on, I bring it up. Like, even if I know that it might hurt him or if I'm scared to do it, it's like, I know, and my soul is telling me like, you have to figure this out. You have to find the answer or you have to dig deeper. And I think that I've always had it. It's just now a lot louder or a lot, a lot more, like I've settled in a lot more with it than I did maybe when I was 18. I think, I think back then I still would question where now I'm just like, nope, it's telling me this very loudly. Okay. How can I move forward with it? And I think also knowing my body so well, like I can tell immediately if it's like a gut thing or like an intuition thing compared to just like overthinking it and letting it go to my head, then it's usually not like a gut answer. So I I know that that was kind of long-winded, but I, I really do think the, the more that you practice that and the more that you like let it come up and the more you let yourself be uncomfortable by asking those hard questions, I think that the, the quicker you can come to that feeling of, okay, this is my intuition. And yes, like I feel confident in, in digging deeper, even if it is uncomfortable, because it usually is, and it's usually hard, or, you know, that there's going to be some sort of like push. Um, but yeah, I think that the more that I allowed myself to ask those questions, the, the more now I feel like I'm just more in tune. I'm just more in tune now. I so appreciate that because I do think of intuition as a practice. It's not necessarily something that you have or you don't. I think we all have this capacity to access our intuition. Many of us have grown up in cultures or families that don't necessarily teach us how to access intuition or don't emphasize the value of it. But I do think it's an innate human capacity that that we can access. It just can sometimes take time to build. And as you said, I think the more we allow it to show up and also then listen to it, the better equipped we are to strengthen our connection to it. So as you described, the more that you've allowed intuition to show up, the more able you're able to identify it in a key moment. And I think also learning for each of us what intuition looks like, so to speak. Like, as you said, for many of us, it is a felt sense in our body in some kind of way, maybe a paperweight feeling in our chest or 
heaviness in our belly or lightness in our belly, there can be certain physical sensations that are associated with a gut sense or a gut instinct. And then there can also be certain thoughts, as you said, like, Mm -hmm. hmm, is, is this really how God wants me to feel? Or is this really necessary? That sort of inner questioning can sometimes be a glimmer of, of intuition. And, and sometimes we do have access to intuition and yet because of the discomfort, it's hard to listen to it. So sometimes we're aware that something's mm-hmm. off on some level, even if it's in a remote corner of our being, it's right. just a part of us doesn't necessarily want to listen to it. Cause like you said, it can be scary and uncomfortable and hard. And so <clears throat> All this to say, I think this idea of intuition as a practice that we can cultivate, that our relationship to our intuition can strengthen over time, I think is really valuable. I think also what you said about willingness, being willing to hear our intuition helps increase the likelihood that it's going to show up and express its wisdom to us. And then also an element of mindfulness, of being aware of what are my thoughts? What are my feelings? What is happening in my body? I think that trio of information, so to speak, can be really helpful in guiding us towards when something doesn't feel quite right. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. And I mean, even like now it's nice to know, like when I'm talking with my partner, I can feel myself like my chest starts to like tighten up. And instead of just like allowing that to happen, I just like, it's just so much more. The only word is just like awareness is that I'm like, okay, like I know what's happening right now. Let's just breathe into it. Let's, and even just like voicing it or communicating with him, like, okay, this is making me really uncomfortable to talk about. Um, just give me a second. I'm going to like, think of the, what I want to say. I'm going to like calm my body. And I think that that is just a great tool to have with all relationships. And even if it's just yourself, even when you're like thinking of something and all of a sudden, you know, your body, your heart starts to raise, or you are trying to distract yourself and think about something else. I think that it's nice to just let yourself sit and be aware of what's happening. And for so long I wasn't, or I was trying to get away from that feeling because I think also, and we've talked about this a little bit about like society saying like, I need to be happy all the time. Like I need to be happy and show up like fully at all times. And so I think that that thought has completely left my mind where now I am comfortable being just like meh sometimes. Like I don't feel like I have to show up and just be like this happy go lucky. And yeah, naturally, like I am a pretty like happy person, but I don't have that feeling that I have to show up like that all the time. Mm -hmm. I I think those are such great examples of ways that we can break free from some of these messages. And I think there were so many 
tools or strategies that you mentioned that I want to lift up or reiterate, which was this idea of slowing down. And I think we can sometimes underestimate the power of, of the pause and of the slowing down and how there can be so much value in increasing our awareness through slowing things down. And also the piece that you mentioned about calming our bodies and people who know me well know that I'm a huge proponent of empowering ourselves to respond to our our physiology in ways in which we get activated emotionally and physically and feeling like we can respond in ways that can de-escalate those emotions and physiological sensations in a way that allow us to connect to others, to have hard conversations, to be intimate, as you said. And so I think that combination of slowing down and calming our bodies is a really powerful one. And the third piece that you mentioned, which I think is really valuable, is the ability to ask ourselves key questions. So when we are having a reaction to something or we're noticing ourselves believing something, Mm asking ourselves, well, where does this belief come from? Where does this belief come from? Why do I believe this? When did I first notice this belief in my life? What factors have contributed to me believing this? Is this something I want to keep believing? So like you said, having a sense of willingness and curiosity to sit with some of these questions and ask them of ourselves in a honest, truthful, heart-to-heart kind of way, because I think even even the asking of these questions can be powerful. And we may decide, yes, this is something that I believe for X, Y, Z reasons that really is part of the most authentic expression of myself. It's something I want to keep believing. And so it could go that direction. And then we feel more affirmed in that, more confident in that choice. And then there are times where it's less black and white <laughs> or less clear mm-hmm. cut. But I think this process of questioning as you've you've highlighted, I think is also a really valuable one. So I would love to know, Chris, where you are at in your religious spiritual journey now. So you explained a bit about the beliefs that you grew up with, experiences in your life that led you to question them and and really sort of discover yourself, so to speak, or your own religious beliefs. So I'm curious to know where things stand for you now with with religion and spirituality? I think that I used to put them together, like religion was spirituality. And so when I initially decided to leave and separate, I left them both behind. Like I thought to be spiritual, you had to be like a part of a religion, which I know consciously that that's not true but I just felt that, or maybe I just didn't even want to like, I just wanted to leave all of it behind. Mm. And so it took several years to like realize that I am innately like a spiritual being. And I just look at spirituality differently than organized religion. So for me, I think, and truly spirituality for me, I think is that intuition and inner knowing, like I feel so close to universe, to God, to higher power. When I am like fully listening to my 
inner knowing and intuition. And so I, I really feel like for me, it's just, it's simple or that simple is that I just, I feel disconnected when I'm not listening to my intuition. And then when I am, I feel like I'm at like my highest vibration. I feel like I'm like in my true form, I'm showing up more me. Whereas I think when I try to like push it away, which I think is sometimes like a subconscious habit is to just like block it off and not deal with things is that I don't feel spiritual then. Like I feel more sad or more almost like a tornado. I've used this term before is that in my early twenties, when I was going through all these things, I felt like my brain was a tornado and just very, like so many thoughts and feelings just spinning around at all times. Like I felt happy and sad and angry and worried and all, but also on the out, like on the outside, I was happy. Like I was, I bought a house and I had a great job and I had my little girl. And so there was like things on the outside that made me feel and seem quote unquote, I guess, normal and happy. But on the inside, I felt all the things and I was just trying to push the true feelings away or the, the hard work away. I just didn't want to do it. Then I knew I wanted to eventually, but I just wasn't sure when. And I also was just so bitter, I think at first, um, which, and maybe that's, that's typical when you, any loss that happens, like, I mean, I was angry. I was bitter. I was, I had thoughts like, you know, the religion or that upbringing, like took so many things from me. Whereas now I look at it as like, I am now able to, like, if I wouldn't have had that experience that I did when I was 18, I, I don't know if I would have left. Like, I, I think that I would have still probably been miserable and knowing that something else was missing or knowing that there was a different way, but I don't know if I would have left because there would have been no significant event in my life that would have like triggered those, like to push, to push Mm -hmm. farther, to keep pushing. Like, because I mean, ultimately I think sometimes society in general, not even just in a religion, but just like, you're comfortable. Like things are easy. Like Mm -hmm. just, just stay there, just stay put, like stop pushing the boundaries. And so I think that those experiences made me push and like pushed me into such an uncomfortable reality that I had to, like, I had to question, I had to wonder, and then exploring all of those. I mean, doing deep inner work is so needed, but it's not like so great. Like it sucks and it's hard and it makes you cry and it makes you like question things even more. And you're like, why the hell am I doing this? But there is no other way for you to like know who you truly are until you do that. So it's like, and the only thing I can relate this to is like childbirth because in that pain, in that moment, like right before the baby emerges, it's like, I can't, I can't push any farther. I can't keep doing this. I don't want to, but you know, that once you do like on the other side of that pain is this beautiful new life. And I think that it's 
it can be related to that. Is that like through the deep, hard inner work, you get to this point where you're like, I can't keep going. Like I can't keep pushing, but you know that if you do this new life, not always happy, but this new life will emerge and you will feel more whole. I love that. I really love that so much. And so appreciate you sharing that. And it's reminds me a bit about this idea of the dark night of the soul, how so often we feel like we're at rock bottom or so broken. And like you said, we just, we're tired, we're exhausted. We don't feel like we can go on. And, and yet if we trust ourselves and trust the process and keep showing up and keep going, there is promise for that wholeness mm-hmm. on the other side. And like you said, it's, and yet the only way out is through. It's like, it's, right. it, it requires that, that work. And, and it's so, it's so interesting for me to hear you also talk about how through your own journey, you've reframed your experiences. So as you said, of course, it's so understandable to experience loss and anger and a sense of bitterness or resentment when there is a loss. And yet in looking back, it sounds like you view it as a bit of a catalyst. Like if it hadn't, if these experiences hadn't been so profoundly dissonant, not aligned with how you felt internally, it may not have propelled you forward in connecting with your intuition in the same way or making the choices that, that you've made. And I think sometimes that can come from loss. That doesn't mean that we have to go through loss experiences to get there or that we're necessarily saying that this benefit, so to speak, diminishes or minimizes the pain that we've experienced, but that there can be some form of, of growth or transformation that emerges from some of those experiences. And there was something you mentioned about how things might've appeared on the outside and how that was so different from the inside. And, and I think so often we do feel that misalignment. We feel, okay, if only people really knew exactly what's going on inside of me or, and it can lead to us feeling very unseen or not like our pain isn't being validated because what is sort of being shown on the outside doesn't map our inner landscape. And I think, as you said, it takes the time that it takes for us to get to the place where we feel ready to do the work because it is hard and there is comfort in the status quo, even if we're miserable. There are a lot of reasons to stay put. And so we need to reach that point where the costs begin to outweigh the benefits of of staying in the status quo. And so all this to say, I think there is a lot of wisdom in what you shared. And I so appreciate your vulnerability and willingness and, and sharing all that you did in terms of the inner workings of your process. Yes. Thank you. Thanks for holding space for that. Of course. Well, Chris, I know we're nearing the end of our time and I would love to ask you one final question. And I mean, this can of course blossom into other, other questions if that feels right to you, but 
I'm wondering if you have any words of encouragement or hope or empowerment, just any, any way you want to speak from your own heart to people who may be in a similar place in their lives. Maybe it's with religion, maybe it's with something else, but this place in their lives where they're feeling like something's not right. Mm-hmm. And maybe they don't know exactly what is not right or exactly where they want to go, but they're in, in this struggle, in this tension of, of recognizing the misalignment and also feeling like this is hard and maybe they don't have the, the strength to go on. What might you say to someone who's in that kind of space? I think for me, I was able to feel more grounded when I started putting boundaries in place around everything, really. So once I started feeling like uncomfortable or once I had those questions start popping up and then I would let myself answer them. So why am I feeling this way? Is this a belief? And I would just kind of take myself down that road. It usually wound up with me realizing that I didn't have boundaries or boundaries really ever. Like I, my mom still doesn't have boundaries and she's nearly 60. And so I think that I didn't even know what they looked like. I didn't have a role model for what boundaries were like. So I think that if I could give any advice, which, and I know we've said this a couple of times is to let yourself be in the uncomfortable space and then to just continue to ask yourself questions and then maybe set boundaries in place that make you feel confident and more safe. So like, I'll give an example. If I don't like, you know, people just like popping up at my house because it makes me feel uncomfortable or I just don't really like to have guests stay over. I love to host. I love when people come over and like have a party but I really like to also have like an end, an end time for people to like be gone. And so I think that even just setting a boundary in place where I'm like, I I'm so happy that you're coming, but you know, this is when works for me. This is what feels good. And truly just like living that and showing up and feeling confident at first, it was scary at first. It was like, Oh my gosh, am I going to hurt somebody's feelings? Am I going to rock the boat? Which I think is another kind of societal thing that comes on like, Oh, don't, don't, don't speak Mm -hmm. about it. Like, don't bring Mm -hmm. it up. Don't rock the boat. Just make everybody else feel very comfortable. So yeah, at first when you set boundaries, and I've heard this before is that usually when you set boundaries, the people that break those boundaries often are going to be upset, right? Because Mm -hmm. they're the ones who are constantly breaking those boundaries. So for me to feel more secure and safe, I started setting boundaries around everything. I mean, around work, around personal life with uh, my spouse, with friends, with, with everything. And I truly was able to then, I think, create a safe space for me to be more in tune because now I had, I had intentionally built this place that allowed my heart to just feel safe and secure. And then it just naturally opened up. 
So I think that it can start with, with forming boundaries and then that will just hopefully naturally allow you to feel safe and then able to start to explore a little bit more and not have to feel like scared or worried because when you don't have boundaries, it can feel like they're, well, I mean, they are broke there. There's nothing in place to, to protect you or to honor your energy and honor your space. And so when you don't have them, they're constantly being invaded. And I think that that consciously and subconsciously can make you feel more like locked up or more uncomfortable, more nervous. And so, yeah, I think that that's probably my biggest advice and encouragement is to really figure out the parts and the places in your life where you can set up a few more boundaries for yourself that will really allow you to create that safe space for you to be able to just dig a little bit deeper. I love this point because I think that, as you said, many of us have not had modeling for skillful boundaries or limits. And I've heard so many people say, I didn't know what a boundary even was until I was 20 or 30 or 40, because, because of some of the ways in which various ways of relating to one another have or haven't been modeled. And as you said, I do think it can create such a container for us when we have that sense of boundaries of space being held, it gives us permission. It gives us safety. It gives us a sense of stability with which to explore. You said something like it, it helped your heart feel safe. And I think that's a really beautiful way to describe that because so much of what we're talking about today is about listening to your heart, listening to your intuition. And that can operate on a different vibration than our intellectual, rational sort of thinking mind. And so it needs to be nourished. A certain kind of environment needs to be created in order for that to be expressed and accessed. And I also appreciate what you mentioned about people's reactions to boundaries, because I think that is something that, especially when boundaries are new to us, or maybe when they're not new, but they're hard to stay consistent with and be self-advocates in, in mining those boundaries, when that sort of homeostasis, so to speak, gets disrupted, we start responding to someone in a way that's different than how that person is used to, they might have a strong reaction. We might receive a certain kind of negative consequence for that. And to be secure enough in our own knowledge and awareness that this is what we need is so helpful in helping us maintain those observations of boundaries and, and limits because reactions from other people can lead us to doubt ourselves and question, oh, is it wrong for me to have this boundary? Is it hurting someone's feelings? Like you said, all of these messages about taking care of other people that can get in the way. So I think it's also important <clears throat> to circle back to something we said earlier, that if we can start from a place of accessing our inner wisdom about what we actually need, that can help give us the kind of confidence that is powerful in helping us stick to boundaries when other people are having unpleasant and uncomfortable reactions to mm -hmm. our boundaries. Mm -hmm. Well, and I think the more too that you are actively like staying strong in your boundaries, the easier it becomes for you to keep the boundaries. Because if you're 
worried about how other people are going to feel or react, it's never going to allow you to truly cultivate that space that you're seeking for. And I mean, ultimately, like I'll use this example again of, of just my own boundaries. And I had to set boundaries with my mom because my mom doesn't have boundaries and just like little things with like, listen, we have a thousand square feet foot house. Like it's so tiny with three kids and two adults and a cat. Like we just don't really have space to also like let people sleep. Like we literally have three bedrooms and a kitchen and a front room. Like that's it. And so by me setting up that initial boundary, like I want you to come, I want you to, to stay, but I, I can't have you stay here. She heard that as like, I'm just, you know, in your way, I'm like a a problem. And I was like, okay, I want you to also step back and realize I didn't say any of those things. What I said was we have a tiny home and it's, it would be too crowded, not just for you, for anybody, like any guest, this is our like guest policy. We are more than happy to like split an Airbnb costs with you, like whatever it is. I just, I need you to like, listen to my words and not like read more into what I'm saying. And it took her a while and anymore, like our relationship is so much better because I have stuck to those boundaries over and over and over. And now we don't have to question it every time. Like, she's just like, yay, I'm coming to visit. I booked an Airbnb right down the road. And I'm like, how happy is that for everybody involved? Like we can walk to each other's houses. We can have coffee on the porch and then we can split ways when the kids need to nap and whatever. And it feels so much better now, but believe me, those first several times communicating with her was so difficult because of the like negative connotation or like the unspoken word that she like was internalizing. And so I think also just communication around all of it and just being able to communicate even when things are uncomfortable is just it's just so needed. And I think that we've talked about this in multiple different ways throughout this episode is saying like, when you are uncomfortable, like that's when things you will truly see like change and hope is that you're like, Oh, that actually felt really great to communicate that. Like I've been holding it in for so long. What else should I communicate? What else can I talk about? How else can I like dig a little deeper And each time, yeah, it's going to be uncomfortable, but it also gets easier for your body to react in a, in a maybe healthier way or a more accustomed way to where you aren't having a reaction. You're able to calm yourself. You're able to talk yourself through it. And maybe you're even able to see where that belief started a lot quicker because you've been practicing over and over. You've had so many different angles and questions now that you're like, Oh, I can get to those answers quicker now because I'm more in tune because I've set boundaries because I have a safe space. So with all that being said, I think that the overall or overarching theme is it's in that uncomfortable that, that we see the most change. I think that's a a great synopsis because it, it does 
And it also feels well captured by that childbirth metaphor that that you gave, that there is promise for something on the other side, if we can stick with it and stay in the discomfort and trust the process and trust ourselves. And I think another key takeaway for me from our conversation today is what you mentioned about defining spirituality for ourselves and not just spirituality, but arriving at our own definitions for everything. And I think that is another really beautiful message from today. Spirituality can mean so many different things to each of us. And is it connection to a larger sense of meaning and purpose? Is it trusting ourselves in the timing of our lives? It can mean so many different things. And so feeling entitled to entitled and empowered to craft those definitions for ourselves, I think is really powerful. And I think that comes to boundaries too. What boundaries look like in different relationships can really vary. And and it really needs to be stemming from what personally is meaningful and valuable and important to us. Yes, 100%. I know they're like all interconnected. So interconnected. (laughs) Well, Chris, thank you so, so much. This was such a treat and such a joy for me to talk with you today. And I so appreciate you carving out the time to join us this week. Yes, I had such a great, great time. Thank you. You're so welcome. Thank you for listening to the science and soul of living well. If you enjoy this podcast, please subscribe, share it with others, or leave us a review. If you'd like to reach out or connect more, please follow me on Instagram. I hope you'll join us next time.